Graduate college. Uh-huh. What do you end up doing? It's the whole. This is your life. I'm, yes, that is what the thing is. Oh God! You shut the fuck up. Sorry. Okay, <laughs> I moved. I worked summer stock every summer while I was in college. So when I moved to New York after college, I knew people that were already in the business. And the way you become a successful piano player is, you know, I was playing auditions for them. So at the auditions, I would meet people behind the table that would say. You know, do you want to music direct my show or can you come play me more auditions? And it began leading to more and more work. And I guess my big break was this guy named James Raitt, who saw me play an audition related to John Raitt and Bonnie Raitt. It's this brilliant music director. Right. He did Forever Play, the show called Pageant and Forever Play. Oh, yeah, I remember Pageant. And Pageant was amazing. So it was Forever Play. And he hired me to be a music director and that kind of moved me into And how old were you? 23, I guess. So, you know, I've, I've taken piano lessons since I'm You're five a piano years major. Old. Right. No, I was a music major with the piano. Yeah. Oh, we made fun of music majors because, yeah. because they weren't good enough to be piano majors. Right. Sorry. Exactly. It's fine. Um, <laughs> first, I went in as a communications major. That doesn't mean anything. And then um, I really just wanted to be a performer. Like, I right. wanted to be a comic, whatever. Right. Right. But I had to get a degree. So, anyway, um, so uh, I. I always needed music. Like I couldn't, like I, how do you, like if you sang a melody, I could bang it out, but I couldn't put the chords to it. Like I, I learned so boring, you know, churny, you know, and and then, you know, just Bach and, you know, and it was always, I never developed like the the fact that you can, but yeah, I got that I because of that. my ob- older siblings. My brother was an amazing rock musician, and my sisters, Beth and Nancy, loved musical theater and pop. So I would always be accompanying them, and Beth would be like, "That's too high, take it down a step." So I learned all that pop playing from my siblings. So you didn't have that, but that's I how know. I but that's it. what I wanted. So I really want to know how to do that. But so I, I took think I'm lessons. too old. No, I took no. It's you know what it is. I would say take it out of the library the score to Pippin and Godspell because the way that is written out for the piano is written out like a pop piano. You will learn so much from just reading the actual notes, and then you can then you can transfer that style of playing to other music. Godspell and Pippin are the two ones. To okay, do. I'm gonna do it. Yeah, and just play them. <laughs> it's, it's, you'll sound like a pop pianist. That's what I want to do. Yeah. Oh, I love you. That's that. That's what I did. I mean, I would just play these things that were written but, out, and then yeah. you begin, and then you know how to then do that style on other songs. <laughs> She's in a state of shock. She never I knew. Just, I'm so excited. Yeah. Um, when when you were in co- college, yeah. D- any fa- any famous people in your class? Um, not my well, f- Judy Kuhn, one of my favorite singers in the world. Oh, I- went to Oberlin, I know, big deal. <laughs> went to Oberlin uh, two years before me, uh, ten years before me. But by the way, when she would go on for Evan Drew, they would call her the Bar Mitzvah Boy. Just FYI, speaking of Jew, yeah, because okay. she looked like a little Jewish boy. Ten years before me, Julie Taymor. I'm trying to think in my yeah, in my actual Oberlin. Oh, a famous classical pianist, Jeremy Dank, but you wouldn't know him. Right. And how Prince's son Charlie Prince went there, but no, nobody, right? Nobody right. famous at Oberlin, right, James? Right? Not during. Your- oh, Emily Nussbaum, when I was a fucking. Oh, Oh, right. Pulitzer Prize. Right. We were like good friends. Like we were both just clunkers. Right. We had a radio show together. Now she has a Pulitzer fucking prize. I know. It's infuriating. It's amazing. <laughs> okay. Um, so you moved to New York. Yeah. I got, right sorry. away. See, now you can't move to New York anymore. Wait, you can't artist. afford it? You mean? Yeah. I mean, I moved here. I lived with an opera singer on 81st Street. Wow. I had my own room in the back. It was the basement of, it was the basement of a brownstone. And his fucking cat would bring in pigeons and sh- dead pigeons. Oh, God. That's oh. It was horrible. I'd come in and there's a dead bird. And he's like, oh, that's because no. she likes you. I'm like, I don't want a fucking bird anyway. Oh, my God. But I had a back backyard. Anyway. Nice. And he would go off and sing operas. And he had a baby grand piano. So I would get the whole oh, place wow. to myself. Oh, nice. I know. Yep. 84th wow. between Amsterdam and Columbus. And he was gay, 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 gay. Jeez. I went to the gay roommate service. Oh, you were smart. Yeah. I just roomed with the Somerset girl. I think we paid. We had a duplex on 88th in Amsterdam. I think we each paid seven fifty. Oh, I paid four hundred. No, you're right. Around four fifty a month. And once in a while, I'd have to beg my mother to pay my rent. Right. But I, I know what you mean. It was much cheaper to live in. But you New York. never had like a job job. The day that I finally brought my tuxedo to go to a place to get a catering gig, 
I got a job playing the piano. It was like, I finally gave in. I'm like, I guess I'm never going to get a piano playing job. And I'm like, I'm going to go cater. And that day I got some piano playing job. And then I never had, I never Did had a real job. Did you buy the tux? I had it because I, you know, from, right. from conducting Rhapsody in Blue, right. like I had my own tux. How long had you lived in New York when that happened? Maybe like a year. Wow. I mean, well, being a piano player, you always, you can always get work. I mean, right. I was always able to get work. It was Did never. Did you ever play at like Brandy's or Are you kidding me? I was just telling James, I was at Rose's turn every single Monday for oh, wow. years. Me, Christine Zabornik, and Elaine Breyer. I mean, years. Monday night was my night. And oh my God, I, had the be- I learned so much about comedy. Christine Zabornik is a genius. Yeah, she's great. And that was my gig. And I made really good money because you they passed on that tip jar. I know. I think I made like $200 like per night. Wow. That's great. Yeah. And back in 1992. Wow. That was a lot of money. I know. It was a great job. I know. I lived on cold sesame noodles. Mm. That was because they were two ninety five. They're also really good. <laughs> I know. I, I worked at a fucking. I worked at an elevator repair company. Oh, then God. I worked at um, military media. Sold advertising. They sold advertising for military based newspapers, and I would like pull the. Why the most depressing jobs? Why not just a waitress like everyone else in the world? I don't know. I just didn't. I applied for some waitressing jobs, and they wouldn't. I think I was too big, honestly. It's always the answer. Um, You sure it's not too annoying? You sure it's definitely about the height? Shut up. I auditioned for fucking Bill Esper for for, um, graduate school. For acting class? Yeah. No, to go to Mason Gross to the graduate program, and he said, You're very talented. I did two monologues. Yeah. They were great. You're a good one actress. was a comedic comedic one and one was a, you know, he said you're very talented, you have perf- you have excellent comedic timing, but you're too tall. How do you oh. expect me to cast you? I'm so bored. Oh. I know. And my mother was like, he'll get his. He'll get his. <laughs> oh. Your mother's invitation is always pianissimo and seething with anger. It's always down here. Yeah. <laughs> but she was, you know, you you said your mother would never get involved. My like, No, she would get involved. My mother would talk my, a big talk would never get involved. No, my mother would write to the head of Pan Am. How dare you? That's she, a Jewish thing. My father was always writing letters. Like a, Rex, on rexographs, she would have like a right. copy on carbons. I, you know, I can. I don't know. Did my mother get involved a lot? I don't know. It was always. I've heard stories of a lot of suing. Yeah, it was. Always, no, we, we were always sued. suing and we always lost. Which is really, really? Fun. Oh, constantly. My, you know what my mother did that was so fucking annoying? Uh, when I was in K through eight, I lived five houses down from the school. Five houses. I can't really escape. Okay, like you could go in the um, the athletic field and see the back of my house, right? The minute there was like a major snowstorm. Oh, you're no. not going. Uh, no. I'd be in class. Who is the first loudspeaker? <laughs> Judith Gold, please come to the office. Your mother's here to pick you up. I'm like, I can see my house. No, that is that is a Jewish that is completely Jewish thing my mother I probably it would start sprinkling the check. You're not going to school today. None of your teachers are going to show up either. I'm like, they're not going to show up. It's a light flurry. Or I'd have a cold and literally, you're staying home for a week. A full week if I had a cold. Oh, no, I didn't have that. They were oh. like, no, but she would if there was a. Uh, so it's snow you got home, but not for being if sick? If it was like a, a natural disaster, if there was weather, <laughs> disaster. if there was any chance of me slipping or, <laughs> right, you know. Right, right, right. You know what I got all the time? I'd be on the phone with my boyfriend, let's say, when I was, you know, 19 at Oberlin, and I'd be like, I'd be talking to him like, this is an emergency cut in from oh, Sally yeah. Rudetsky. Constantly, my mother would be checking in <laughs> with an emergency cut and in. And would you, you always answer? I was, of course, it was by the way, the house phone. Did you have phone. your own phone? No, it was, I would be I had in no my house. I had, we had one phone. Yeah, it was the kitchen Couldn't phone. Couldn't you just say, I do not accept this emergency call? From my mother? Well. Do you know that do you, she would drive home from work? No, I couldn't do that. <laughs> Did you? How Defy? many phones were in your house? We just had, well, we had one, and then I think when I was 12 years old, we got a second one. Oh, line. my God. Oh, my mother would not. No, we don't. We had one phone, like. And all the kids had their own like princess phone and their right. own phone oh, number, yeah, which was like one digit away from the regular. Right, right. Not us. Did you have call waiting? Like when no. that came it around? Didn't exist when we were kids. No. It did. Well, it did. Uh, okay. In my twenties. All right. How about this? We couldn't have a color TV because it gave off radiation. Wow. We couldn't have a color TV because we were too cheap. Oh. I had black and white up until my 20s. And my, by the way, version of taping television shows was I would hold my tape recorder up to the TV oh my and God. push record. Oh, I, yeah. We couldn't have like a Betamax or anything like that. We had, I had a joke in my act about how we couldn't have a color TV because it gave off radiation. Uh-huh. And then, thank God, a few years later, they invented remote control because we could never get up from the couch to change a channel with our lead aprons on. <laughs> 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 that was 
one of my favorite jokes. James's it's so funny because James's mother is so there's so no not so Jewish, not a Jewish like completely not in his business. Like whatever y'all want, like she's right. the most like hands off. Like it's so not. But you know, my parents were so old fashioned. Like everyone had these huge bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs at the you know Saturday night the big and we had brunch at the house for my brother. Mm-hmm. My sister, they had dessert afterwards mm-hmm. on a Friday night. For me, I had the biggest one. They had dinner at the synagogue oh. before. And no pictures because, you know, God, you can't take a photo in the synagogue. Uh, oh, no. Yeah, so there's one picture and it's blurry and I'm really tall. <laughs> and uh, no one came and, like, no one came to my bottom. Like, oh, a few people. And everyone else had these huge – and. Oh, it was just fucking, I fucking hated those people. My, uh, my rabbi, my, my parents were getting divorced. Yeah. And I remember he got up in his speech. He was like, there's a seven letter word that is so important. Loyalty. And he wouldn't stop saying about loyalty. <laughs> oh. And then of course, on my big bar mitzvah sign-in sheet, my brother wrote the seven letter word the rabbi was talking about was hair lip. Which I thought was <laughs> hilarious. My brother was really funny. But I still remember that. Just saying. Where was I? Um, my my rabbi. Oh, I hated him. Oh, and, I like my rabbi. Uh, he was so awful. Actually, my mother went went to had a meeting with him because he would own he would pay extra attention to the rich people. Oh, uh, yeah. Always says that she moves her little ass over because she oh donates to the shul. Yes, always was raging. Oh. My furious. mother is like, I am here every week. Every week, do I get an Aaliyah? No. Um, so anyway, she told him off. Of an <laughs> anyway, so uh, my parents went to Israel when I was like twelve or eleven, and they were flying over the Swiss Alps, I guess. And something happened to the plane, <gasps> and they descended really oh quickly. Oh my god, that's so scary! And the oxygen mask came out, oh and they ended up landing. They were on El Al, but they ended up landing in a. Um, country that didn't have diplomatic relations oh. with Israel. Oh my so, God. So, like, they're surrounded by, they couldn't get off the plane. They're <gasps> surrounded by guns, blah, blah, blah. I didn't know this. So, apparently, my grandmother knew it, but, you know, I was too young. Right. So, my parents called um, and they said, <laughs> oh they said, uh, we're going to stay in Israel an extra day. That's what they told me, because God forbid they should ever tell me the fucking truth. Right. And I said, uh. oh, okay, what'd you get me? And so. <laughs> My sister is like, "What'd you get me? What'd you get me?" Oh, she still like, yeah, it back she, to you. Yes, what'd you get me? <laughs> well, what they're you- almost dead. What'd you get me? <laughs> you didn't know. I know. So anyway, the next week I'm in Hebrew school. My parents made me go to Hebrew school and Hebrew high school. Fucking kill me. Wow, that's annoying. I know. And uh, the rabbi walks by me, and he says, "Oh, Judith." Everyone called me Judith. I heard you were almost an orphan last week. Oh, my God. And I was like. Did you not know the story? No, I did. But I after that, but right. I was like. Oh, it was just a weird way to say, I hope your parents are okay. <laughs> I hope it worked out. Who says I heard you were. Then, then my mother and went back in and was like, how yeah. dare you. Oh. <laughs> she, he hated us. I fucking hated him. All right. Anyway, so you beca- you're a piano player. Yeah. You moved to New York at what age? A thousand. Uh, I, <laughs> he went to LA. I was twenty nine when I when I. So you were in LA. Why'd you go to LA? Uh, actor. He was scared of New York because he saw Rhoda. That and he is thought true. The beginning of Rhoda was so scary. Are you kidding? That's you grew up in Texas, and that's seventies <laughs> television. Come on, anything that was set in New York, it looked horrific and scary. If you didn't already live like in the Chico tri-state the area, it was all sort of. Well, scary. yeah, I mean, even Taxi. I mean, oh, ta- you when know, I like used to um, in the eighties, walk to the Improv that was on Forty Fourth and Ninth. Oh. I mean, it, it was, still is horrific. Right. But it was like I'd get off at 42nd Street and it was just like X-rated theaters, mm-hmm. you know, syringes on the floor. Wow. I just wanted stage time, so I didn't really care. But it was like. <laughs> it was scary. It was disgusting. And it scared scared Jimmy. Oh, yeah, poor I, Jim. Yeah, I wish I had. I wish Jimmy, I had. Jim, but Jim. you know what? It, life worked out. I, I Seth and I have talked about it. It's like, God, if I had moved to New York when I graduated college in 1989, I mean, I'd was 19 about to turn 20 i think surrounded by talk about the height of the aids crisis and being surrounded not in cars but like you're passing by attractive guys on this on the sidewalk and right. shoulder to shoulder on the subway who knows what stupid decisions i would have made right i i you know so uh, who knows right but uh, career-wise i mean you know i was just i had i had 
great just like day jobs and right. I and I got my equity card ironically in LA but I didn't really get much I didn't do career wise like Seth right. was in his 20s he was I just on his dedicated path. myself to my career Me, no, he was teaching autistic kids you know and, and, oh. you know. you know I love my liquid IV that I drink liquid IV pretty much every day and I love it cuz it keeps me hydrated I travel with it because it's in little packets. It tastes great. It's an amazing product. It hydrates better than water alone, three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drinks, eight vitamins and nutrients, non-GMO. But here's the best part. You know I've been bragging about Ben, my son Ben, who plays basketball. His team, his entire team, they love Liquid IV. I mean, they are number four in the nation. They are an amazing team. They've done better than ever this year. Dare I say it's because of the Liquid IV? I'm not going to say for sure, but I'm telling you, these athletes love Liquid IV. They love all the flavors, strawberry, lemonade. I love the watermelon. I never give them any of my watermelon. They have sugar-free, white peach, green grape, lemon, lime. It makes you feel great. And if you need a little caffeine, the, the uh, lemon ginger is beyond, beyond. And I know they use it while they're working out. I'm pretty sure they might use it after a game that they won and went out and had, you know, a couple of drinky poos. But that being said, I love Liquid IV. They're a great sponsor. They're a great product. And I honestly couldn't live without them. And it's winter still. You need to be hydrated. Hydration is very important. So weekends are for going wild, as you all know. Have a game plan for Monday. That's what you need. I just had this conversation with Ben's girlfriend. I said, if you're going to go out and party, you need a game plan. And what's your game plan? Liquid IV. Weekends are for going wild. Have a game plan for Monday with Liquid IV. Grab your Liquid IV hydration multiplier sugar-free in bulk nationwide at Costco or get 20% off your first order when you go to liquidiv.com and use code Judy Gold, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D, at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Superior Hydration today using promo code Judy Gold, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D, at liquidiv.com. You're welcome! Seth, you... Yeah. All right. First of all, you're, there's so many things about you that remind me of me, yeah. but you're way more talented musically. Yes, you are. You're so, just Whatever. shut the fuck up. And um, when I met you, I, so we worked at Rosie together. Yeah. Um, I was a comedy writer. She was a human interest producer. Right. But I had started out as a comedy writer. But right. you... I was like, wow, that's interesting. I knew you as a musician, a musician. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I wonder why, you know, he's writing comedy, but whatever you were funny. But, um, and then I left and I got my hair blown out and got screamed at. And <laughs> yeah, Judy, Judy, no, I, you don't know the real story. The real story. Everyone used to go in the makeup room in the morning you know, after they did the, you know, and the hair would like sometimes blow your hair out or you'd put on makeup, whatever. And so I did not have a guest that morning, that morning, that morning, and I got my hair blown out. Yeah. And um, I had an audition at lunch. So they accused her of basically not being dedicated to her job because she she looked like she had the audition because her hair was blown out and they were busted her for going to an audition at lunch. By the way, I don't know. We weren't even really even allowed to take lunch, right? Weren't right. we sort of like, we didn't have official lunch hours. You kind of just went out and got your lunch Right, you got your lunch. So I took my lunch thing to go to yes, the audition. Exactly. And Rosie knew I would, I know. you know. Right. Remember when Rosie got sick and the last second you had to take over in Las Vegas? Right, exactly. Whatever. Anyway, the point is, it was it was a little okay. toxic. So, once, in a while. once in a while, go on. All right. And then we worked on the, our family cruise together. That was so fun. Okay, I have to say, the Our Family Cruise, now, during that cruise. And that's where I first met you, Judy. Yeah. During that cruise, um, the Sharon was moving out of, she was supposed to come on the cruise, Judy but I had, caught, I, had, I had caught her she, uh, cheating. And, uh, With the Rabbitson. 
and um, <laughs> not Jewish, not Jewish. Anyway, Shonda. and I we told the kids that um, you know Mama has to work. And she's not going. But uh, we had decided she would move out of the apartment that oh. week. So the whole week I'm on this magical. Huh. I mean, it was the most amazing. It was the perfect week for it. The entire boat was for gay parents and their kids. Right. And, their and it was allies. the first one. The and first there were one. people that came from all over the country yeah. who couldn't even be out in their yeah. in their. Yeah. And I mean, that cruise was it was magical. It was. It was. Wasn't it? It was an amazing week. And there's that documentary called All Aboard. You yeah. You can watch it. Oh, it was amazing. And Bob's, and Uncle Bob Smith came. Oh, right. He did Who stand passed up. away from a funny ALS. Else. Fucking, fucking stupid. Anyway, yeah. so we had met on that and you start, you did Chatterbox, right? You did, you had this thing called Chatterbox. Yeah. At, was it a Don't Tell Mama? Yeah, what happened, The just FYI, the reason that happened is because Rosie was doing the Grammy Awards and she was taking the red eyes. So they said, Rosie can't rehearse with Martin Short. So I went and I did this rehearsal with Martin Short on the Rosie O'Donnell show where I sang this number with him. And the feed went to the writer's room and they all watched me and they were like, oh, you're you're a good performer. Why don't you perform? And I'm like, oh, I'm behind the scenes now. And then I was like, wait, why don't I perform? And I remember calling one of my friends that was an agent and I was like, I kind of want to perform again. And I said like, I probably like better actors than me, but I feel like I have really good personality. Right. Like I should do like a talk show or something. And he said, well, why don't you just start your own weekly talk show live in New York and then people can come see it and then you'll get like a, TV show, which right. probably never happened. I got a radio show. <laughs> but I started this thing called Sets Broadway Chatterbox, where I'd spend an hour interviewing a Broadway star because Broadway stars would go on TV. They would do three-minute interviews. I remember seeing Jane Krakowski where they're like, you're doing Funny Girl now, but we heard this time it's a musical. And I was like, wow, nobody knows anything on TV. Oh, my it God. It made me crazy. Wow. So I was like, I really want to do an hour where I can just get real Broadway stories. So I started right. that thing called Sets Broadway Chatterbox in 1999. And yes, that's what about it. Go on. It was, it was just, it was brilliant. Thank it you. was a brilliant idea. Um, and deconstructing is the second thing I started. This is, okay. So this I is what I'm obsessed with. Okay. I, lo- I mean, I love music and I will sit and learn, you know, I, I will listen to like, uh, you know, Schubert and then I'll, I'll listen, I'll say, I'm going to listen to first violin and then I'll listen to the only first violin. You know what I mean? You'll focus your ear. Right. And then I'll say, oh, I'm going to listen to, you know, and I, and I I just fucking love doing that. Right. And when you do your deconstruction, Mm -hmm. it's so like, it's so specific and I, those are like, I would listen to music the same way and be like, oh no, there's this one, you know, like, and and it would, I would be obsessed with it. Um, and I, I fucking love that you do that. Like, I so relate to that obsession. What do you think that, like, what do you, like, I can't even, like, don't talk to me when I'm listening to music. Like, you you know what I mean? I can't. <laughs> well, I'm that way too. That's why I hate yeah. having music at a party. I'm like, right. why do I want music in the background? It right. drives me crazy. Right. But the deconstruction was because basically ever since I was young, I remember being in sixth grade, calling out my friend Michael Smith, holding the phone next to the record player, playing Amos Behaven and going, Mel Carter is belting an E. I remember holding the phone, being like, right. listen to her belt. So I'd always, there were little tiny moments I always loved. And I started doing stand-up comedy. And within my stand-up, I would play Aretha Franklin singing I Dreamed a Dream because she does this bizarre moment. Right. And it was this little tiny thing. And then I did this deconstruction of Barbara Streisand where she changes the consonants. I did it in Gypsy of the Year. <laughs> Which one? Um, when she goes, um, my, uh, was it? my man is gone. And when your man is gone, your world just falls apart. Right. Duh. And it's a D. And I was like, that's weird because it's actually a T. So I did that right. as part of this big Robert Cares Equity Five Days benefit. And Rosie O'Donnell came to see it. And she said, that's so good. Right. You should do an entire show of just that. that. It was just kind of part of my comedy act. but And that became my thing. And then this woman, Amanda Lippett, said, take that video and put it on something that's called YouTube. Like it had just come out. Right, right, right. And I put that video up and it really just like – it, it so took changed off. my life. Yeah. I was literally with Julie, our kid, in Germany, transferring planes in Frankfurt. <laughs> Frankfurt. <laughs> the opposite of that. Yeah. And we and Julie was probably like ten, and she said, "Can I throw out this bottle of Diet Coke?" And I said, "Yeah." And I walked and I threw it out. And right at that moment, a passport person called me over. And I'm like, "I'm not allowed to like use the garbage." And I was like, "Yes." And, and you're was, in Germany. So I was in scary. Germany, and I was like, "I'm totally in trouble on the passport line." And he was literally like, "Broadway." I watch video, Broadway, like oh, literally wow. my deconstruction. I mean, it's amazing that it's people like watch it all over right. the world. It's fucking great. Well, I just, now, I love music. So I love <clears throat> showing people what's yeah. great about music. And then you were with 
Before you met James, you were with Aaron. Aaron, who was your piano, piano teacher? teacher? I still, I love him. <laughs> and he's, uh, well, A, Mensa. He is a great interview because he yeah. grew up as an amazing piano. He's, by the way, the first son of the first son, a Chinese wife. So incredible, right. incredible pressure. And his parents were born again. So crazy, crazy pressure. Yeah, born again Christians and Chinese. And his mother said, he was a brilliant piano player. She said, if you come in first place in this piano competition, you can major in piano in college. But if you don't, we were not going to pay for college. And he came in second place. <gasps> so he, when I met him, he, he was a biomedical engineer and then an architect and he completely given up piano. And I was like, Aaron, you can't give it up. And he's like, I don't want to play because it brings back what it could have been. Right. Like, you have to. And when he was 29, he went back to music school, Manus, and he changed his whole life and now he's a musician. But he completely given it up because his mother said she wouldn't pay for college. So he's just a really interesting Ugh. interview. He had a totally different, he, had, he was an architect. Like really, he went to Columbia for architecture. And then oh my gave, God, he's so smart. He's and he's smart. in Mensa. I know he's a man that drives me crazy. It's basically <laughs> a bunch of nerds. Whatever. I know. I, I always make fun of him. Anyway, um, what's your point? What's your point? I don't know. That was it. You played. Um, yes, yes. Sheldon in the Ritz. That was so good. And jo so Joe Mantello had seen you. Yes. Um, he gave me that gig. The. Oh, I'll tell you one story you'll love about that. Okay. I won't say who it is, but I had to do my number wearing a unitard, a horrible. Because, you know, it, there's, a, there's a performance in the gay bathhouse, and Joe Mantello said, I want you to do magic to do. And because he said, like from Pippin, yeah, because he's got magic to do, yeah. Just so he for said the show takes place in the seventies. He's like, probably Pippin was a big hit then. So I want you to do a really bad version of Magic to Do. And we came up with this concept, Michael Lee Scott, where I had these umbrellas that had white gloves and then like the hands had been green, right. and I twirl them, and I'm in this horrible unitard, and it actually was a big hit in the show. It was really, really funny right. the way it was. Anyway, but after the show. Um, really famous star came up to me and she was like, oh my God, that unitard. She goes, How, where did they get all that padding in the front and on the sides? And I was like, that's not padding. That, that's my fat. And she's like, oh no, not at all. You're not fat. And then she goes, you're not fat. Look. And then she just kept touching my rib going, look, you're not fat. You're not fat. I go, right. You're touching a rib. There's no fat there. The oh padding God. you saw was my stomach hanging over my dance belt, which by the way, <laughs> at one performance hurt so much. And I realized it because I had it on backwards. I was wearing my Wait, dance belt. Wait, I need to know who it is. <laughs> no, just write it. No. Oh, please. Was, I'll say it was it was a pretty famous Broadway star. Let's leave it at that. Come on, you got to give me initials. Nope. <laughs> I don't want to ever Do you know? Yes, the fact I that do. I the fact that I admitted that I was fat should be enough. Now, let's move on. Do you hate that person? No, because because have you ever worked with that person since? Yes. Yes, because she really thought Did that I had Did you ever say to that person you did that to me. You were too mortified. No, I said it to your face. I said, it's not padding. I'm fat. No, but <laughs> after that, after that. No, who cares? Oh, I <laughs> fucking well, care. You better tell me, James. I will. Um, Burt Backrack. Yes. Hal David. Yes. The what Promises, the Promises. Oh, oh, my turkey lurkey deconstruction? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, the pneumonia line. Oh, wait. Oh, that story? Yes. How do you know that story? Because I told because, you. No, I do research on my fucking guests. Yeah, Burt Bacharach told me because, yeah. Because... I can't believe you fucking talked to Burt Bacharach. Burt Bacharach. Burt, I love wait, him. So much. Wait, we have such a better story about Burt Bacharach. All right, but can you just, I love that. So Hal David had pneumonia. Yeah, Hal David got sick during, because it's so horrible to put on a Broadway show. It was so stressful. He went into the hospital. And because of that, he came up with the lyric, what do you get when you fall in love? You get enough germs to catch pneumonia. It was the tip of the hat yes. to his own pneumonia. But so much more than that. And I'll play you. James, just, just after the Orlando shooting, James, talk about that. And I'm going to well, find that. Maybe we're skipping around here. No, because she's these, obsessed with uh, Burt No, no, no. I'm that's fine. I love Burt Backrack. Well, Do you, you find oh, that oh, he it. is beyond brilliant? Yeah. Yes. James, tell the story. <laughs> All right. So in, uh, after the Orlando Pulse Massacre, uh, I had this idea to record What the World Needs Now is yes, Love. Yes, yes, yes. And gather our Broadway friends and, and put it out and, um, and raise money for the, yes, for the Game Lesbian Center, right? I wasn't so, invited to do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, shut up. Uh, so we recorded the song with all of our Broadway friends, and yes, it went to number one on iTunes, and it raised a lot of money, and then we performed at the Democratic National Convention. Right. But before that, so so it it was had the idea on the Monday. We recorded it in between shows on the Wednesday. We mixed it on Thursday, and the following Monday 
it was re- it was released and it um and then the following day we were shooting um on Maya Rudolph and Marty Short's show right and and we were performing and I'd gotten a phone call and busy busy like you know getting getting all these performers together they were actually shooting the show was going to air that night and they were inserting our song into the show and I noticed I got a message from Burt Bacharach I'm like but I didn't even Wait. have to, I literally did not did have it say Burt Bacharach well this is what I have right here so literally we were Recorded. I mean, it was all such a world when we didn't even think about even getting in contact. We had to get we had to get permission from his manager. I think that's how we got the rights to the song. I, right? I think, but uh, but anyway, but I I listened to it. I didn't actually have time. To, I think we listened to it and then didn't have time to call him back until until after we had shot the show. This but go it. ahead. Okay. Wait. This is the it? actual message. This is it. Hey James, <laughs> Bird back rack in London and. Uh, I just want to congratulate you on a kind of a brilliant job, all the people that worked on this. I knew nothing about this till last night when Sue showed me on the computer this video. Well, I'd love to talk to you. I'm deeply honored to be part of it, to have my music included in this what a production. How great. I'd love to talk to you about it. Just congratulate you verbally, person to person. So, if you can, give me a call. Did you call him? Of course. I, what happened? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. He, he, he picked up the phone. And, uh, he was like, hey. He, 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 was, <laughs> he could not have been nicer. And what was really moving is because, you know, remember in the 80s, speaking of AIDS, he had written That's What Friends Are For. Right. Remember? Right. And, and we talked about that because obviously he's had a song who was- Wait, were you on the phone? Recording. I think it was on speaker. Oh, okay. I might have been on speaker when we were talking. Right. Uh, Bert was saying that because, of course, he wrote That's What that's what Friends Are For uh, in the mid-'80s to help with the AIDS crisis. But he said the difference between that song and What the World Needs Now Is Love is that our song was recorded in the immediate aftermath right, of, a of, a huge, tragedy, yeah. of a huge tragedy. They needed soothing right away. And they needed soothing right away. And, and It uh, is one of the greatest songs ever written. It's an amazing <clears throat> song, and the recording came off. It was everyone just volunteered their time. Everyone just showed up between shows. No one even knew what it was going to be, whether they were going to have right, solos. Right, right. And you know, none of us, and we didn't tell them, oh, we're going to be filming it for a video. Right. So Sarah Jessica Parker shows up, no makeup. No makeup I yeah. mean, and no one, by the way, said anything. No one. And it was like also like Rosie was filming like Match Game. And so she came like after everyone else had left, I think, her and Marissa. Uh, and by the way, full circle, you know who was there? Edie Windsor. Oh, She's on the recording. Looking so glamorous and beautiful. Yeah. It was really wow. amazing she was there. So anyway, when you mentioned we're back rack, we had to just mention them. I have saved that phone message because I was so upset. I would totally. Have you ever talked to him since? No. No. I, ha- I still have his cell phone number, though. Judy. No. Judith. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. I went cool. to see him in concert a couple years oh, ago. He's just the coolest man. Isn't he? He's like 90, right? I, yeah, might, might be older. He's still got it. Yeah. He smokes pot a lot, I heard. Really? Yeah. I don't approve. Um... I love, I do. I love. Yes. I just love his melodies. Yeah. And his counter melody, like well, where it comes out, like you're like, what? Like Makes you, you happy. Yeah. But it's just crazy because he goes, he doesn't write things in 4-4. Four, four. He right. goes in and out and yet it sounds normal. Right. Like, um, you know, promise, uh, prom- one, two, three, four, five, six, da, 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 I don't know, one, two, three, I got the one, two, three. So it goes from like right. six, eight into three, but right. it doesn't feel like a Hindemith piece. It feels right. like a pop piece. Hindemith. Well, you know what I'm saying? That's so music school. <laughs> it is. Isn't it? <laughs> um, wait, what's the one I love where he, um, uh, he, he starts a whole new melody at the end. Um, the fuck oh, is something they remind me? No. No. Um, um the look of is it look oh, of love. But what would be the new melody? Is then? it no, maybe it's not that. Okay, whatever the fuck it is. Um <laughs> But I do love him. I fucking I love him and Hal Dan, like it that was so my cool. first concert I went to. Was Dion Warwick and Burt Backrack. Oh, I bet that was Jesus so great. Singer, I know. But she doesn't she hate the gays? I don't know. There's always those stories. I don't know. Let me just say no. Okay. Did she do that for Friends Are Four? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, she did. Shut the fuck up. Hey, everyone. You know, 
one of my favorite things in life, if not my most favorite thing in life, which, yeah, it's arguably my most favorite thing in life besides my kids and is food and eating. Eating is my favorite activity and eating is better and easier with Factor. Factor, I'm telling you, I tried their stuff. It is delicious. It is great. It is high quality, and they are, when I say ready-to-eat meals, they're ready to eat in two minutes. They're not frozen. They're never frozen. They're chef-crafted, dietitian approved and literally, you heat them for two minutes. Every week, you have over 35 options to choose from. They have Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, Keto, I Just Did Chef's Choice, 60 or more add-ons that you can stay fueled up. They had these juice shots that were incredible. These are restaurant quality meals that are ready to heat and eat when you are ready to eat. That's it. And they're really good. Elisa loved them too. There's no prep. There's no mess. I've tried a lot of these different kinds of meals. Factor is amazing and so convenient. It's so great to get home from a long day of like schlepping around and knowing you have this delicious meal waiting for you in the refrigerator that takes two minutes to heat up. And you can pause, you can reschedule your deliveries at any time. It is a great solution for those nights and days that you're looking for fast, great, delicious options with no cooking required. Okay? And factor is less expensive than takeout. So what are you going to do? Because I'm telling you, you have to believe me. I never lie. Factor is amazing. You're going to head to factormeals, F-A-C-T-O-R-M-E-A-L-S dot com slash Judy Gold 50, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D 50, five zero. Okay? Judy Gold 50. And use code J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D five zero, Judy Gold 50, to get... 50% off. That's code JudyGold50 at factormeals.com slash JudyGold50 and get 50% off. It's worth it. You're welcome. You got a radio show at Sirius because of a guy named Ray Romano. Well, Mike Peter is more, but Ray, Ray, no, actually, no, Ray was a fan of mine. I got that. But was it Ray Romano? Oh, that's his Ray, name, yeah. Yeah, but, but it wasn't his, Ray Romano. No, 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 he was an engineer Ray, there. Yeah. He was super nice. Isn't that funny? I didn't know that. I, yeah, yes. I forgot about Ray. I haven't thought about him in years. He's such a nice guy. I got What that, a shitty name to have. I know. He, I didn't even go by Raymond. Right. He went by Ray Romano. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I got that 2003. I've been there. I've been at that job for a long time, lady. Wow. It's unbelievable. I know. Seventeen. It was just like a side job. I didn't realize that it was going to be have such a big impact. On I my had life. a deal that fell through there. Okay. Oh. Um, <laughs> a positive ending. I yeah. One of my favorite things that you did yeah, um, which is being done all over, is disaster the musical. Thank you. Which, by the way, you were in. Yes, I was in. Yes. Um, I wasn't in the big one. You were not. You were not Broadway. You were in that little lesser version. Yeah, but. Yeah. I remember I came to see it. I know. That's and then, so fun. And I called you and I said, it's just like, it makes so much sense. And I love how the song, you know, and you were like, you get it. You get it. And well, then yeah. you, you, you deconstructed it back yes. to us. No, I feel yeah. like, am, am I remembering right that, that we all went to diner yeah. on, on ninth Avenue yes, yes, right afterwards. after the show. And I was like, and, and that's obsessed. when Judy started saying, if the, the, the role ever becomes available, I want to do it. Yeah. It was and then that Mary Testa the, left. Right. And then James and I were like, oh my God, Judy Gold. God, we, you were great in that show. I loved doing that. And I remember us leaving and I said, Judy really wants to do it. I mean, yeah. we were already like, yeah, when it became open. Wait, wait, and what's his name who played my husband, who was... Tom Reese Farrell. Yeah. Yeah, he played your husband. We had we had a lot of great people on that show, yeah. because they went in and out. You had all those stand-up gigs at the end, and naturally your understudy was a man. My friend Drew... <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that was so funny. And go on for you. But I remember um, the first time I died... You were like, no, you have to. You know, I was like, it was over the top. Uh, well, then you maybe made it a joke. It wasn't it was over the top. It had to be real because it had to be. Right. And you were like, no, it has to be real. I'm like, okay. There but, has to be heart in the what's show. What's his name got really mad? Well, look, 
I, but I, I didn't don't know. Remember. I didn't know. All I remember is that you were really good because every night we'd always go over the tap dance together. I remember. Oh that. yeah, I yeah, yeah. That. Like, let's run it. Let's run it. Let's right. run it. You were. I loved. Your I loved that show. Thank you, yeah. Judith. Who took my part in the Broadway? Faith Prince, a young up and coming. Shut actress. the fuck up. <laughs> you know, I know that you wanted it to go to Broadway, but I, I guarantee you that thing would still be running at the West Side Theater. We're hoping to get um a little movie deal, which would maybe change. Maybe we're gonna bring it back to New York after a movie deal. So we'll see. We'll see if it happens. It's fucking brilliant. Thank you, lady. It is. And now, you know, I love all that 70s pop music. Oh, and it's like, I best. fucking think of the goddamn, the, you know, the play every time. Right, oh, right, I know. Right, I have a new right, memory right, for that. Right. You know? Alone Again Naturally, yes. Alone yeah. Again. And what's the other one? Well, I'm not talking about moving in. Oh, I love that. I love that song. Yeah. Jack added that. That was Jack's idea. But I'm telling you, like, those songs, I know they're queer, but I fucking love they're them. Great melodies. My God, 70s music was the best. I know. You are now, you also created the Broadway Cruises. Did you create that? No. Well, I've done a lot. I did the Our Family Cruises, the Playboy Cruises. James basically hooked. So James is basically the brains behind this. He podcast. is. <laughs> he, he said to me, he said like, he's like, he's like, Seth, he's like, we should run our own Broadway cruise because why are we running it through somebody else? And James came up with the concept and we went from one cruise a year to how many? Now? Well, we're doing four this year. We're doing four. Well, it was really, I mean, because... Speaking, going back to the our family Rosie cruise, I mean that was really a magical time for me because Seth and I had only been dating in 2007 at that point for like right. six weeks, yeah. And having oh, adopted you must have had so much and, and having adopted Julie, we're going to keep going. I know adopted yeah. Julie while we were in Texas. You know, it was my first time to be surrounded by gay parents, gay and right. lesbian parents. It was really, and it was Julie really was amazing. How old? Julie was six. six. So um, it was about six months before she was in Ben Gold's class. That's uh, right. right? Oh, that's um, so cute. Another gym. But, uh, but so you adopted Julie when she was six years she old. She was five. Five. You guys were together for how long? No, I, I met right after he adopted Julie. Okay, so you yeah. adopted Julie. Yeah, a year, a year and, after and he you adopted. you were like... Fine, right? You uh, loved him. I was fine. I would not say that. No, I was like, I don't want any kids, but I didn't really have a choice in the matter. And then it right. sort of worked out maybe 15 years later. And <laughs> We've only been together 13. Right, right, I'm right. I'm still waiting for it to work out. Right. That's nice. Um, but didn't you love that about James, that he wanted to be a father? Well, he was a father, but right. he always wanted to be. No, actually, I never identified with it. I always thought it was weird and people were like, I've always wanted to be a father. I'm like, why? I want to be a kid all the time. So I actually yeah. found it weird, but I loved how good of a father he was like I, I, he was such a kind-hearted person so right. i loved watching him father but i always thought it was weird he wanted to be father right. i never identified that was like what your that's parents that's interesting to do. that you say that because i want to be a kid all the time too well you and i have a lot of that yes. ADD youngest in the family yeah. we have a lot of that's immature ADD. and i just love and I, you know what else i love doing which is really bad i love annoying people to the point where they like are like i can't take it anymore. You oh know he what got I mean? so mad at me yesterday because he was on the phone with somebody and oh, i was like yes. doing a dance trying to get a laugh at right. him and he was furious right. like i'm on the phone talking to a campaign manager of right. this house district in texas and, and we're hoping to flip blue and i'm like trying to uh, really yeah i can't concentrate talking to this young woman other people can't by the way well, we, i can't really well how about this whenever he's on the phone i literally had to put the phone on mute and i said you need to leave that's so funny <laughs> I do the same shit. Well, what, this is what he always does. He'll always oh, call no. my health insurance company and have to be me because oh, I want to make a phone call. This is good. This and he'll always good. be like, yes, my name is Seth Rudetsky. Yes, I was born February 28th, 1957. I'll <laughs> always give the wrong year just but, to start up. And by the way, all the times I've done that, yeah. I've never been corrected. Go, okay, no way. Sir. Yeah, so he will always start up. That's so funny. Such a dick. Anywho, but the cruises were we wanted to we wanted to work with our friends, and I thought the the, so. How does it work out? Like you go to the line, the the. We first connected with Celebrity Cruise Lines who wanted to do a cruise with us. So, right. So, yeah. So, we started with Celebrity, but then we teamed up with this great travel agent, Judy Pearl. So, now we're on Celebrity. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's right. We're on Celebrity, but we're on the Queen Mary 2, and we're on, what's the one with the Italy one? Uh, Regent. Regent. So, she I, connects with all the So, some lines. luxury cruises, and then we still do Celebrity. And is it all, do you get the whole boat? No. no. No, we're small. We're like this little, like a musical theater summer camp almost within a big boat. That's what we right. love. It's just like Wait, us. and so, wait, what about all your shows and everything? We have, we, there's 
there's like the large open? theater, and then there's no. a smaller. There's and a smaller theater. And it's not open to the whole boat. No, it's only the Broadway lovers. So we do these private shows. And do yeah. you have? Do you, are you together. all in the same section of the boat? Well, we all eat together, but people get cabins everywhere on the boat because they're right. super rich people that get. But like, we have our together. own, like our own part of the restaurant, so we eat together. We rehearse because we have a variety show. So it's like when we went to the Norwegian Fjord, it's like Cheetah Rivera was on it, and our passengers sang all that jazz with Cheetah Rivera. She was Velma, and they were everyone back. I up. mean, come on. And then literally, I taught them to, the Tonight Quintet. She wow. was Anita. Anita's going to get no a cake. Way. And they yes. were the in the Jets. I mean, it's amazing. The passengers you know, get to perform with these like amazing. And, and we get to go with our friend, like Anika Larson, who is Seth's known forever. But do you think you so, could get enough where you take over the whole boat? I, that is going to be we keep we keep expanding so much. Yeah, we're talking about maybe doing doing that. You know, like not a two thousand passenger ship right. on Rosie O'Donnell, but yeah, we're talking about that. Um. So I ask. Um. I ask all my guests two questions. I'm very pro mental health, so we always ask our guests if they're on any antidepressants or anti anxieties, and if not, what they do to maintain their mental healthness. Um, I'm not on anything, but I've been in therapy. I, well, my therapist always says you're not a depressive, you have anxiety, but I don't have the, I mean, I probably could benefit from it. I just haven't, but I've been in therapy for my God, 30 years or something. I was in group therapy. That's how, that's why Faith Prince got your role on Broadway. We were in group therapy together. Fuck that group therapy. (laughs) So I met Faith Um, So I've been in private therapy, group therapy, went to Al-Anon. And then um, I think- Did you go to Al-Anon because of your brother? Just for codependence. Right, okay. Just for that codependence. Um, and then I think I ha- I ha- work out like a crazy person. Same. I think, yeah. That's what I did. That's what's Until that's I got injured. Next. I know you poor thing. And you know what else I did? I missed a gig because I was so obsessed with working out. And I had a gig <laughs> in Connecticut. And then I had to go to, I think it was New Hampshire or like North Boston to a college. And there was a huge snowstorm coming and they were like, you know, it's moving this fast. And I was like, I have to run four miles today. I have to. And I fucking. That's me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, that's totally bad. me. I, I got to work out or else I'm too anxious. James, right. what do you do for anxiety? Yes. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I go to therapy. I'm not on any, on any medicine yet. Um, depending on how this year progresses election wise, I may be, and I'm not joking. Yeah, that's my psychopharmacologist said. Seriously. I asked her. She said it's really awful. There's People so much are yes. I've been I've been thinking about it a lot lately about if I need to take something. So I, I had this, me. you know, yeah. very bad clinical depression in two thousand ten where I couldn't even talk and and I, I'm on meds. But I feel like, you know, part of me really wants to know what I'd feel like off them, but Mm -hmm. I'm so scared. Mm -hmm. And also the fear of having another, like Mm -hmm. it was so, they say performers can, and artists, you know, can really go back and feel those, what it's like. So it's, Mm. you know, that fear is even greater. Mm. It's awful. Don't do, don't go off. James, I'd say, I'd tell you what I think you do is I think you like to watch not mindless, but you like to watch kind of like boring he television make, shows. Yeah, he makes fun of me because I'll just I'll veg out watching stupid TV shows okay. that Seth would I like never that. watch. Do you watch Lawrence Welk? I love Lawrence Welk. <laughs> Not no. that bad. No. <laughs> I love it. That's pushing it. I know. Okay. <clears throat> then my final, you know, this is called Kill Me Now because I wake up and I'm like, fuck you, kill me now. Right. So for each one of you, what pisses you off more than anything? Like makes you like, oh, I can't fucking take it anymore. I, I, Definitely, and I know people, James gets mad because he doesn't agree, but I cannot take that people walk down the street with headphones on. Oh. It infuriates me because it is a complete denial of the fact that you are in society. So people walk, because what happens is, in the old days, you could be like, oh, wow, what a cute dog, or I love right, your jacket. Right, right, be a right. normal person. But literally, or you can go, by the way, do you know where Starbucks is? But anytime I want to say anything to anybody, it's like, first of all, either a blank face, and right. then finally 20 minutes taking the year. And I'm like, what do you? Ha- what is that important you have to fucking listen to? I can't tell you how it enrages me. It, it enrages me, James. Well, uh, can I just comment on that? Yes. No. I, do, I put the earphones in and don't play anything because so many people stop me in my neighborhood and I don't want to have conversations with them. But I'm not listening to anything. So I did pick up on the fact that, that you're trying to block people out. I mean, that's it. that's what I find. I, I just find it Well, rude. it's just like I know something. They're like, Judy, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, I can't. 
Okay. You know, well, can't you just do the fake cell phone phone But it's call? easier to, yeah, it's easier to um, look the other way when you have headphones in and they won't buy. I just right. think they won't. All right. Whatever. I hear you. All right. It annoys me. All right. Go ahead. Talking during a show or a movie. Oh, Wait a minute. I, this is about me. So no. <laughs> no. I, no, I, I, I asked what pisses you. Go- I, I know, but he's literally referring to me because. I didn't show say him. that. I didn't <laughs> exactly. say you. Why are you turning red then? <laughs> we'll be watching a show and I'll have some sassy, fun comments that anyone else would appreciate. I'm with James. Wait a minute. You don't talk to Alisa doesn't shut the fuck up. I'm like, shut the fuck up. Like, right. it's so annoying. And like, but the I'm shit- interesting. She's probably like therapy and annoying. No, no. She'll be what? We watch the news. I'm just doing that. Yeah, oh, yeah she's sorry. You missed a We'll be watching the news. Yeah. And, she- oh, really? Yeah, well, why don't you fuck? I'm like, I'm trying to listen to the rest of the Thank point. You. And she goes off, yeah, well, if you're fucking, why do the Republicans go? I'm like, Elisa, we're not even listening to the answer because you're right. fucking talking. So here's the worst thing that's happened. Technology-wise, no. Oh. It has to do with the DVR where you can be allowed to pause. So it happened last night, and Seth and I were watching something, and I'm like, I want to be able to – I'm in the moment of the emotion of what's happening on the screen. I want to actually continue feeling the emotion instead of putting it on pause. And I'm like, pause for a second. What do you think of her outfit? <laughs> so it's like something – So, like, I hate that we actually – I love the DVR, but I hate that we actually can pause things. All right, well – where can people find you? I have a cruise. Well, the cruise to the Caribbean is sold out, but I've got a cruise to the Greek and Adriatic Islands, a cruise to when? Bermuda. Greek and Adriatic Islands is June. Bermuda is July. Cross Atlantic on the Queen Mary 2, <gasps> which is also my drag name. That's in October. <laughs> October. You just go to my website, Seth Rudetsky. Good luck spelling it. Oh, Seth Rudetsky. SethRudetsky.com. And you can come on one of and my amazing Broadway And where can they find cruises. you on Twitter and Instagram? It's all my name. I'm not like the real Seth Rudetsky. It's all at Seth Rudetsky. Just my name, What Seth about Rudetsky. you, James? I'm Twitter, James Wesley NYC. Thank you so much for listening to part two of Kill Me Now with Seth Rudetsky and his lovely husband, James Wesley. Make sure to tune in next week on Tuesday for our new guest. I'm not even telling you who it is, okay? But it's so exciting. Bridget Everett. Anyway, if you like the show, make sure to subscribe and leave a review. It helps more people find this amazing show, and it is amazing. Uh, when you review, it's five stars only, okay? I can't with the four, three, two, one. I know everything you say negative about me. I already know it. So please give me five stars. I need something, okay? I, I have bad luck, and I just need... I need your help. Five stars. If you can't get enough of my voice, which I can't even believe anyone listens to it. It's so nasal and annoying. I am excited to announce my new comedy album, Conduct Unbecoming, is available now, right now. You can visit my website, judygold.com. You can get it anywhere you get your music, iTunes. And you can also get my other albums uh, that way as well. And go to my website, judygold.com, and you can find out information about my upcoming dates. I'm headed to Rhino Comedy Club on February 15th. That's Saturday, February 15th in Suffern, New York. There is a live podcast, which you'll be able to hear, of Kill Me Now at Club Coming with Bridget Everett on February 20th. So, I'm so excited. I don't think there's any tickets left for that. February 22nd, I'll be headed to Coachella Valley Rep in California. It's in Palm Springs. I'm doing a show, Big and Tall, with Bruce Valanche. It's a fundraiser for Coachella Valley Rep, Palm Springs. I'm very excited about that. And you can get tickets for all of this on my website. Stay up to date on all my new dates. Make sure to follow me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Judy Gold, J-E-W-D-Y, you know, like Jew, (laughs) gold. And I just can't thank you all for listening. Tune in next week. I love all of you. And as we always say, so long. And uh, everything was wonderful. I'll see you soon. Thank you for the visit. So long.